This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Another week, another episode of Five on Three, WFUV's comeback podcast of the year, and we're changing things up big time this week on, Ralph, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's episode five or six, Rafael Alia, the supervisor of the podcast, not in the studio today, it's Matt Murphy joined by Dom Muscarella and Nicholas Hello. Lehman, so a big time line change for this episode, and we adjusted the rundown somewhat accordingly, we're going to go Devils, Islanders, Rangers before getting into our final two segments, which we'll touch on in a second. But how you guys doing today? And Nicholas, welcome to the NHL of sorts, I guess we could say, because you did shadow an episode and we called you our trainee defenseman with the name Nicholas Lehman. Now it's the big show. So how you feeling? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for bringing me on here. I'm looking forward to hopefully doing more of these and uh, working at the uh, NHL games in the uh, coming years. And Dom, I just mentioned we adjusted the topics for this show, kind of based on how the teams have been playing around here. Usually the Rangers will get us started here on 5-on-3, but we're starting with the Devils, who I know Nicholas is a fan of, then the Islanders in the two-spot, who I know you are stronger with, then the Rangers. So a big-time flip, and it's just kind of how the NHL season has started for the three local teams, Devils, Islanders, Rangers, in that order, and in that order in the standings. Right, they've been playing. The Islanders, at least, have been playing a lot better lately. They started the year kind of, you know, typical Islanders fashion, you know, ho hum. But you know, other than that one brutal loss against Minnesota, since then it's been a, uh, you know, all roses for them. Absolutely, and we're gonna go after those three local segments into our final two segments of the show, which will be the first one being goalie play around the league. Some some guys who are off to good starts and bad starts. We won't really spoil anything too much right now, and. And then we're going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights again, because we did talk about them on last week's episode, which was a Tuesday release, and today we're recording on Monday, our usual slot for five on three. But they're so relevant right now, and they've stayed so hot. I, I mentioned to you guys with, with the rundown that now they're coming to New York, so we kind of have to talk about them. They'll take on the Islanders and the Rangers to start off a six-game road trip. So that's coming later in the show. We've got Jackson Heil and Heather Ron behind the glass doing a great job. Let's get right into it with the local team, starting with the New Jersey Devils. 8-2 and two right now, guys, but starting that difficult trip you see every year, the Western Canada road trip, it begins Wednesday with the Vancouver Canucks, a team that is was expected to be a bad team this year and not really performing up to expectations, or they are performing up to expectations, I guess, if you look at it from that standpoint. But a good team to start with on the beginning of that road trip for the Devils who are looking to stay hot. Yeah, traditionally the Devils don't do that well on their annual Western Canadian road trip, but uh, and they have in the last two games against Ottawa and Arizona, they looked a bit shaky. They they weren't playing 100% against Arizona, and uh, I think the Ottawa game, they, they had a 4-2 lead with three minutes left, and they gave up two goals within that time to allow them to tie it. Uh, believe me, I was at the game. I wasn't thrilled, but I, I think if they can sort of solve these little minor problems, Vancouver's going to be a good team uh, to try and change that around. And then both that Alberta teams are not doing that well recently, so they need to try and take advantage of that while they're there. Yeah, they'll go uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, and then Calgary. 
And, Dom, this offense is still producing. Second in goals per game in the league, 3.8 goals per game. So Taylor Hall and company really performing up to expectations, uh, at least for a player of his caliber. And then you have some younger guys who we didn't really know about coming in. Jesper Bratt has picked it back up. He's got 10 points. And Brian Gibbons has a team-best five goals. So it's it's the offense is going to regress at some point. It just hasn't been yet through 10 games for the Devils. Right. I'm looking at a combination of these things, and I'm thinking the Devils, you know, they're still performing incredibly well. They're actually first place in the Metro now, which nobody saw coming. But they are shooting over 12.5%. I think they're at 12.6. League average is about 9.5. So like you said, the offense is looking somewhat unsustainable right now. And I think that combined with, you know, this is going to be one of their biggest tests of the season, going on and playing a somewhat overachieving Vancouver team. And then a strug, not so much struggling Calgary, but definitely struggling Edmonton team. Teams that they're looking to kick it in gear on top of one team that's already performing incredibly well. Vancouver's been lifted by Anders Nielsen, the former Islanders goalie, um, who's been incredible for them lately. His save percentage is way up there. So the Devils, especially what Nicholas said earlier about the fact that they kind of looked a little shaky for the first time other than a Capitals loss earlier in the season. Right. They had their first like really shaky couple of games against the Senators and Coyotes even though they won both those games. They, it didn't look pretty. So if they kind of continue the overconfidence, you know, the our offense is actually really good when it might not be. These games could be trap games even though two of these teams were projected playoff teams. Right. And I just and you're you're obviously hinting at uh Calgary and Edmonton in that uh, comment right there, but I just realized how confusing I was at the start of this discussion about the Devils Western Canada trip. I was talking about Vancouver and they're six three and one, so I was very confusing about how I referred to them and their season so far because they had very low expectations and they're exceeding those expectations uh, three games above five hundred. But I know rookie Brock Besser just went down with an injury recently, so that will be who the Devils open up their their road trip with. And the the names I mentioned with this offense. Brian Gibbons is the team's leading scorer with five goals per game. Boston College guy, kind of a journeyman through the AHL. I know Pittsburgh, Columbus, he was with the Rangers in, in the AHL for a year, I believe. And five goals for Brian Gibbons, that's got to be the top of the list in terms of surprises for this offensive juggernaut of the Devils through 10 games. Yeah, I mean, I looked, he had five goals in 66 NHL career games before coming into this year. And that was between Columbus and Pittsburgh. In 10 games, he's matched that. Wow. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, to see what Brian Gibbons is doing for this team. And they're, they're not the prettiest goals all the time, but they're the ones getting in front of the net, tr- just getting the rebounds, trying to make a difference, uh, either blocking in front of the goalie or, again, collecting those rebounds. And then defensively, this team has been getting a big lift from a rookie, Will Butcher, who has 11 points, all assists, second in the league. I know last week and the week before I kept saying, oh, Will Butcher leads all rookies in points. Well, now he trails Clayton Keller of the Coyotes, who are not a very good hockey team, to say the least right now. But Will Butcher has been another great um, player for this Devils team and a a big piece of why they've been so successful to start the season. It's strange because early in the season we were saying, you know, he sure, he sure, he sure. And, you know, he's got seven points so far, two goals yet. Both those but Butcher's really been game. been the rookie. But we've had Butcher and we've had Brett and a couple of other guys. We, nobody really expected to see that much from. 
they were on the radar. Butcher, I don't know if he was really on the radar at all. Brat was was kind of there, but you know, he's been he's been so so, but it's kind of gone unnoticed because of of Brat and Butcher and the rest of their team kind of picking him up. Yeah, so Will Butcher has been a huge part of this Devils defense, and it's, and we talked about how well the offense has been performing. And then in net, Nicholas Corey Schneider five and one, Keith Kincaid has been a solid serviceable backup at three and one this year. Both have been good, but the last two games for Kincaid kind of mirroring how the Devils are trending somewhat. Not as great for Keith Kincaid, a two six two GAA, but in the last two games that he's started, including the the win over Ottawa that you said you were at on Friday. Not quite as good, but overall nothing to complain about uh, too much between Schneider and Kincaid. Well, I know eventually he wants to become an everyday starting goalie in the NHL. Whether that happens or not, I think depends in large part of how he does this year as a backup because I know his contract is coming to an end soon. Um, Also, just while we're on the topic of goalie, Scott Wedgwood was traded to Phoenix. Yeah, I did see that. Excuse me, Arizona, while the Coyotes were in New Jersey. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. But that's a good opportunity for Wedgwood because he's kind of behind these two guys right now who aren't the oldest guys, to say the least. Right, and uh, the Coyotes starter, Luis uh, Dominique, was uh, put on waivers. Okay. So it looks like he's going to be the number one in Arizona for now. But the Devils only got a fifth rounder for him. I was quite surprised with only getting a fifth rounder because uh, there was talks that, you know, in the long run, he could be better than Keith Kincaid. So um, that was surprising. I think they could have gotten a little more out of him. But getting back to Corey Schneider, um, he has had a great, great start. He missed uh, two games for, well, lower body injury, but the Devils' week-long break came at a perfect time for, for the entire team with multiple players out with injuries. Interesting you say that about the break, because I thought for a young team that was coming off a loss in the last game before the break that it could be a bad time for the week-long bye week, so to speak. But, I mean, it turns out that they bounced back with that shootout win over Ottawa and then the win over Arizona, so it didn't seem to hurt them now on a two-game win streak. Last thing on the Devils before we move on to the New York Islanders and then the Rangers. Special teams, nothing too much that stands out. The power play has been pretty good, 11 goals on 40 attempts so far, over 25% success rate, but the penalty kill has struggled a little bit. Double-digit uh, power play goals against 10, they just got to double digits, so something to keep an eye on. I know they've been taking a lot of penalties early in the year. Right, well, the power play has been uh, many, many times better, and I mean, their their sh- shooting overall has been much better. Their offensive opportunities this year, I mean, everything from even starting in preseason till now, there's a huge difference in the way the team uh, runs on offense. And I think you see that in the power play, and I th- also think you see that in the penalty kill. You know, they have quite a few shorthanded goals. I think even earlier in the year against Toronto, they scored a three-on-five uh, shorthanded goal. But, you know, that means when you have more of an offensive-minded team, most likely there's going to be a little bit of a give on the penalty kill, and I think we're seeing that now. Absolutely. Dom, let's move on to the to the Islanders. We'll start with you. 6-4-1 and one overall for the New York Islanders. They host the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. As I said, we're recording this on Monday. The 8-1 Vegas Golden Knights getting set for a long road trip starting in New York. This team, I mean, when John Tavares has two hat tricks in one week, it's kind of hard to not perform well, and that, that's kind of the case with the Islanders right now. Two hat tricks in three games, four wins in their last You'll five. You'll take that. That's pretty good. I think uh, I think this team would take that any day of the week or any week of the month. So it's been... 
pretty good so far. Again, one of those wins was against the Coyotes, which almost makes you feel like it doesn't count after seeing what they did in New York and New Jersey this week. But they did go into Nashville and beat a very good Predators team 6-2 to after a very disappointing loss in Minnesota to see how long they could keep the win streak going after beating the Rangers, Sharks, and Coyotes. They kind of go and go into Minnesota, immediately give up a goal in the first period, and are kind of playing catch-up ever since. They follow that up, and then, of course, everyone's kind of thinking, like, you know, maybe this is what this team is. Maybe this is kind of a team that's going to be around 500. Yeah. And then they go in and beat Nashville pretty resoundingly 6-2, and now everyone's sitting here saying, hey, maybe they're more than just a 500 team. Exactly, and I was one of the people, even on this show, saying... The Islanders, very average, average offense, average defense. What are you going to get from the two goalies? But, I mean, that win over Nashville kind of opened my eyes a little bit as well, and I'm sure it did for fans all over the league. And another thing that I harped on uh, throughout the first few weeks of 5-on-3 was their power play for the mm-hmm. Islanders, and they started out the season 2-for-33 over the first 10 games, 3-for-5 with a man advantage against the Preds on Saturday. So that was a huge, huge boost for them. This that game needs to be the thing that gets Ryan Pollock in the lineup for the rest of the season. Yeah. He played on the power play in that game, and it was night and day. It did not look anything like the power play over the first couple of weeks of the season. This looked like a legitimate threat. Again, a one-game sample size. But when you're used to seeing guys who aren't necessarily dominant on the power play, you know, Nick Letty, he's looked okay on the power play in the past few years, but not so much this year. Overall, he's been stepping up the last mm-hmm. couple of games, though, offensively. Right, yeah. He's returning to that presence that the Islanders saw in his first few seasons with them. And then he's he'd been a bit of a letdown. Same thing with Johnny Boychuk. I don't think Boychuk's there yet in terms of, you know, the play he had for them early in his Islanders career. But in terms of a, a true power play man who can make that offense look better, Letty might not be that guy, especially after what we saw in Nashville from Ryan Pollock. Absolutely. And just taking a step back and looking at, at it stats-wise for the Islanders, Tavares, nine goals, four assists for 13 points, including the the two hat-tricks against Arizona and Nashville. It's really been a case of a lot of guys stepping up offensively. Bailey, Lee, Eberly. A couple of line changes have really made this offense go a little bit better, especially Jordan Eberly, who was an offseason acquisition. He's starting to play better now, and he's playing on the second line, at, and Bailey is with Tavares and, and Lee on the first line. That's kind of gotten the Islanders going. Nicholas, how big do you think uh, just a line change like that can be for a guy on a new team like Jordan Eberle? Because it seemed to have paid off. He scored two goals, including his first goal of the season, and added an assist in the win over Nashville. I think it it it's a huge part because especially preseason, first few games, you don't know who you have that chemistry with. And I think uh, over the past few weeks, they finally uh, found a good pairing for Jordan Eberle. And I think for the Islanders overall, this is going to be a big moment for them in the season. Now, they got the big win over Nashville. Can they take that into the next week? They have Vegas tonight, and then they have uh, the Washington Capitals in Washington Thursday. So can they translate that big win, statement win, against Nashville into the this next week? I think that's where we may see a turn, a real turn for the Islanders going in to November. And they'll have to do some good things defensively and in net because they do have a minus six goal differential. Just to put that in perspective, the Devils at eight and two overall have a plus 18 goal differential to this point. I talked about Nick Letty, Dom. He's got a goal, two assists over the last two games, nine shots over the last two games from the blue line. So 
that's something that they'll need to get going in terms of if they want to put up points on the defensive end. And then in goal, it seems like Halak at 4-2 and two has been better than Grice this year, 2-2. Two and two, And Grice's numbers a 3-7-0 GAA in five games, and Halak's played seven games, including winning his last three starts. It seems like he's kind of separating himself a little bit early in the season. Yeah, I, I don't think the Islanders will be afraid to turn or to lean towards one goalie or the other, especially when you do have, you know, either one will be a solid backup. So I don't think they'll be afraid of committing to one. And Grice, Grice had the six goals against against Minnesota in that loss yes. that you said was a big-time setback. Of and then Halak comes out and then just gives up two to Nashville. So just from a two-game sample right there, maybe the Islanders want to look at that and say, hey, maybe there's our answer. The other guy that I didn't touch upon as far as the scoring is concerned is Matthew Barzell who's allowed yeah. them to kind of split up that first line with Eberle and Tavares. They're able to put, you know, have a top couple of lines be very potent rather than just stack everybody on the first line. Barzell had that good game against the Rangers, but since then he's been very noticeable on the ice. And because of that, they're able to move around guys like Eberle and then put guys Bailey and, and Lee, who's been, Lee's been on the first line, but Bailey's been kind of shuffled around put Bailey with Tavares and then Everly with somebody else because of the fact that you've got more than one center playing at a very, very high level. Certainly some balance from the New York Islanders right now, 6-4-1 and one overall, and having a good start to the year, just like the Devils, who we touched on prior to the Islanders, Devils at 8-2. and two. Just for the sake of time, guys, let's move on to the New York Rangers, and as much as we might not want to talk about their slow start to the 2017-18 season, we have to on five on three. They're three, seven, and two. Very rough start, as I just said. And they get the Vegas Golden Knights on Halloween tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, hosting Vegas. Vegas's first trip to Madison Square Garden. But right now, all the Rangers talk is really about Elaine Vigneault and his future with the team. Some reports even saying that this game against Vegas. It could be a game-by-game -game basis for the job security of Elaine Vigneault, and they've really got to have a strong showing against the Golden Knights uh, for their head coach and, and for their pride, really, at this point, at 3-7-2. and two. I believe that. I mean, at first, in the beginning of the season, I wasn't necessarily as worried about them because I said, oh, you know, it's just this little start. But now we're starting to get 10, 12 games in, and it's starting, like, game against Montreal, I felt, was a must-win for them. Montreal has been... Uh, equally as bad as the equally Rangers. Equally as bad. Uh, they're both towards the bottom of the East, and especially against a, a very struggling Carey Price, they needed that game, and they didn't get it. They came back, which was good to see, but they couldn't finish the game. And I think that's where concern really started settling in for me, because now you have two good teams in a row, Vegas tomorrow, and then they go to Tampa on Thursday. Yeah, tough test. So, I mean, those are two big games for them, I feel that, yes, I would say Elaine Vigneault should certainly be worried about his job security. And the Rangers and the Canadians really didn't look like, or haven't looked so far this year, like two teams that met in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. And another bad start to a game for the New York Rangers, going down 3 nothing in the first period. They did come back, as Nicholas alluded to, and eventually tied the game at 4 before falling 5-4 um, to the Montreal Canadiens. But they cannot overcome these bad starts and they were getting heavily outshot for for most of the start of the game and all the way through the game and to go down three nothing in the first period 
you cannot climb out of a hole like that. Andre Pavlik started in goal again for the Rangers, and that's another discussion we'll have about Henrik Lundqvist. But Pavlik's numbers haven't been great, and it was he was the, the goalie in net for another slow start. It's one of the things I kind of circled on the Rangers roster going into the season. You know, Lundqvist was getting up there in age, and we weren't sure. We knew he'd be at least adequate in goal because he wasn't fall off that much. But I looked at the, the Pavlik as the backup, and I kind of shook my head at that a little bit, especially when you have a guy like Lundqvist who is aging and they don't know how much they're going to need from him. You'd w- probably want more of a dependable backup than Pavlik. And I think that's kind of starting to show because Lundqvist has been okay. His save percentage is now back at 900, which is not great, but it's better than it was. But Pavlik is still kind of coming out and not performing very well at all in most of his starts, like the one against Montreal, which also, to me, makes me question whether A.V. thinks he's on the hot seat or not, considering Pavlik is getting the playing time that he is. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's that's a good good question to think about there because I'm sure he's aware of the outside noise right now. And this team, we so we recorded last Tuesday, so we did have a chance to talk about the 4-1 loss to San Jose last Monday on the last episode, and that kind of brought up some questions about Henrik Lundqvist gave up uh, at least one goal that he should have stopped in that game, and he was out of position on some others. So that was a 4-1 loss. They bounced back with a win over Arizona, but everyone's beating Arizona, so a 5-2 win over them doesn't really mean that much. The game against Montreal, I think, is really a telltale sign, Nicholas, like like we talked about. But overall, I mean, if if AV does get get let go soon, bringing in a new coach, if they bring Lindy Ruff from the assistant position to become the head coach of this team. I don't know how much that does because, I mean, he's in charge of some units on this team that have not performed well, I mean, special teams and defensively. So I don't know how much of a change that would bring to their overall locker room. Well, I don't think the Rangers are going to be able to do much with their goalie situation throughout the season. But going back to that Sharks game, Lundqvist at some points looked terrible and others, he made pretty good saves. But playing the puck behind the net, you know, that that was not a goal that he should have given right. up. Uh, the sharp angle goal. He was on the post. I mean, again, you can't yeah. let those goals up. And Pavlik even, I think in Montreal, he gave up three goals off of rebounds. I mean, you need more out of your goalie than uh, getting, you need to get those rebounds. Uh, uh, it, it killed them against Montreal because if you get those rebounds, that's three less goals and, uh, you know, it's 4-2. Even one of those uh, rebounds goals don't go in. But uh, getting back to A.V., I mean, Lindy Ruff is more than capable of taking this Rangers team the rest of the year. He had how many years with the Sabres and then I think about three or four years with Dallas. So he's got yeah. at least like 20 years head coaching experience. He could easily take this team. I don't doubt that he could way. do it. I just don't know if it's if it's enough to really turn things around because he's he's been in the room all year. Well, it could be. I mean, though he did not have that much success with uh, the Sabres, I thought, for, at least for being there for like 15 years or however many years that was, you know, I think his playoff record and his like ability to turn around teams could be in question, but there's no saying that he couldn't take over the team because he, he definitely can. Fair enough. And there's not a ton of talk to talk about offensively. I mean, Mika Zibanejad scored again in the loss on Saturday, team best seven goals. JT Miller has been a bright spot this year. Buchnevich had a power play goal. But other than that, I mean, let's just, for the sake of time, make sure we can can get to our goalie segment and our, our segment about the Knights who are coming up 
and facing the Islanders, coming out rather, and facing the Islanders and the Rangers in the coming nights. Last thing on the Rangers, Kevin Shattenkirk's really got to pick up his play because, I mean, that was a huge offseason acquisition. He's been playing with Mark Stahl most recently, but he's still struggling, and his fellow defenseman and team captain Ryan McDonough has kind of shifted the blame from AV to the players themselves, saying that citing a lack of compete and battle level, especially in the first period against Montreal when they fell down 3 nothing. So just in terms of the defense, Kevin Shattenkirk really needs to pick up his play. Yeah, for all the talk about the goaltending we've had, part of that's because of the fact that defense just hasn't been yeah. really good between Kevin Shattenkirk and then a bunch of guys who either haven't produced super well offensively or defensively, like Anthony D'Angelo, who was there, one of their acquisitions yeah. the, this past summer. The defense, Mark Stahl, another guy who rare whose praises are rarely sung on defense and probably deservedly so guys who just kind of aren't picking it up for the rangers to help out the goaltending that's a little bit iffy absolutely and d'angelo was actually sent down recently too as a mm-hmm. uh, kind of a a telltale sign of his struggle to adjust to playing with the new york rangers let's move on to our final two segments here on five on three we'll give these a couple of minutes each uh, let's start with the goalies because I, I talked about how we wanted to go around the league a little bit, just 10, 12 games in, and just kind of take a look at who's been playing surprisingly good and surprisingly bad in net because a lot of wins and losses are had with the guy between the pipes. Let's start with the guy that you have as surprisingly bad, and I'll get us going. It's probably someone that you guys had marked down. Carey Price of the Canadians mm-hmm. is, is yeah. kind of the reason that I that we brought this segment in today because if you look at his numbers, 3-6, and six, an 8.83 save percentage, 3.64 goals against average. Not uh, guy numbers for a guy that you expect for a guy like Carey Price, and that's part of the reason why Montreal, the the main reason why Montreal has struggled out of the gate here. And he was a pick that I think at least one of us, probably Roth, picked as his preseason Vezina winner. So that's definitely the guy you circle for this segment. Yep. Carey Price is the obvious one. In addition to all the things you said, he's still got that contract with Montreal too. So they need him to play better to honor up the rest of that contract or else this thing's going to get really ugly for a for a Habs team that needs him to perform well. Because what has been their big strength the years they've made their playoff runs? It's been Carey Price. The rest of the team's always been there for the most part. But Price has been the guy that you associate with the Canadiens and if he's not performing well team doesn't really have an identity and it doesn't have the points to do well either I'd I'd carry price as well I mean he is the face of the Canadians and for being in Montreal where they expect only the best almost like how in New York with the Yankees with baseball you know in in hockey the Canadians are the franchise they have the most Stanley Cup wins you know they're they're expected to be great every year, and when when the team's centered around your goalie like Carey Price, you cannot afford to have him in this bad of a funk. That you know, it's it looks like it's going to impact the rest of the season. Now, hopefully for them, it won't. But I mean, and just a side note that uh, Canadians they got that or excuse me Price they got he got one of those three wins against the Rangers. So I mean, yeah. With an eight, and he didn't have a great game no, either. I think no, he gave up he four goals. So I four mean, he goals. did. They 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 won five four. So right. I mean, eight eighty three save percentage. I mean, you just can't have that from a man who like won the Besnum multiple times already. It's surprising. Very so that, surprising. So Carey Price was kind of the gimme answer for surprisingly bad. How about surprisingly good? I'll let you guys start us off and see see which direction 
this takes us in because I already know where I'm going. Okay, I had Jonathan Quick here. Uh, Kings are off to an outstanding start. They're they're top of the Pacific with 19 points. He's got seven and nine wins. He leads uh, all starting goalies in GAA and save percentage. Uh, this is the strongest the Kings, I think, have looked since uh, their cup runs back in 2012. Yeah, 14. now with, with John Stevens behind the bench. Quick is a good pick. What about you, Dom? So I'm kind of torn between two. I guess Andre Vavilevsky or uh, Vaz- Vazilevsky. Vazilevsky. I tried to go real quickly, failed twice. <laughs> He's been really good. I've always kind of been a fan of him with the, his with the Islanders. He'd always play very well against them. I forgot. Oh, I, I thought you meant he was on the no, Islanders. I was like, played, I didn't think he was on the no, Islanders. He was a Tampa Bay draft pick, but he yeah. played very well against the Islanders. I was like, he's a pretty Islanders. young guy. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. very well against them. And then the other t- one I would pick, because I've always been his fan, is you know the hodgepodge of Vegas goalies. You know, you've had a bunch of guys relocate. I was going to say, Oscar Dance. Right. They've had a bunch of guys relocate to a new team between, you know, Malcolm Subban and Marc-Andre Fleury, who Fleury's a good goalie in his own right. And then Subban was less proven, but he's been good in his three starts. And then uh, Oscar Dansk as well in his three. He's picked up after, you know, Fleury kind of went down. So I'd probably take that Vegas, you know, conglomeration of goalies as my surprise pick. I was going to go with Dansk in particular. uh, 3-0, 71 saves. Just three goals against. I know very small sample size, but he's the first goalie in the expansion era to have won his first three games for a first-year team. So certainly the accolades continue to build. And with that, let's segue into the team he plays for for a minute or two here as we wrap up the show. The Vegas Golden Knights, we have to talk about them at 8-1 and one because they're off to a faster start than the 1976-77 Canadians who ended up 60-8 and eight with 12 ties. They only started the year... Seven and two. I know that's mm-hmm. quite the comparison, and that's not really what the, the Golden Knights need right now. But they're coming off a seven nothing win over the Avalanche on Friday. The, they've been getting through these goaltending woes, and they are embarking on this six game road trip. So it's certainly probably the biggest story in the NHL right now. So we we have to talk about them having eight wins. I know a lot of their games have been at home, but this team for an expansion team off to a phenomenal start. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, here we are again talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. They've just been a huge story around the league. Uh, I wrote an article that would soon be going on uh, up on WFUB Sports that talking about how, not even just be- at, at the beginning of the season, how with through the front office and through the uh, just the entire management of the team has been outstanding. And I think, in a way, that set example to the way they played. I mean, they have been again eight and two is just or excuse me eight one eight and one eight one i think right yeah it's eight and one i mean just loan losses to detroit right just outstanding start and then the even with the goalie carousel they have going on with flurry suban and dansk i mean they have just been making it work and i mean seven nothing i mean granted colorado avalanche who granted did have a good start but beat beat the rangers on opening night yeah they did uh seven nothing win to me, that's still a big statement because, I mean, now they go on the road. I think this is going to be a huge test for them. Just Absolutely. as a young team, going on the road for six games is hard for any club. So I think that's going to be a big key to see how the rest of the season goes, see what we're, they're made of, to see if they can potentially make a playoff run or even get in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the end is nigh for the Golden Knights. I think it's, I was just I think ask it's coming up. They played... A, a surprisingly easy schedule when you kind of go back and look at it. It didn't look like that at the time, but they've only played two road games so far, both of which they won by one goal 
in their first two games of the season. Bunch of overtime wins and no really dominant wins other than the one we mentioned about Colorado. Now they've got the two games against the Islanders and Rangers, followed by four more road games, a brief return to play the Winnipeg Jets at home, and then they'll they'll go to Western Canada to play the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver yeah, Canucks. this is a rough trip. It's a rough trip, and the teams they play are good in teams that are traditionally pretty good at home, like, though Montreal struggled, Montreal and Toronto and Ottawa are always tough places to play. So I think this is where, you know, it kind of starts to hit the fan for the for the Golden Knights. I, I really agree with you there. It's going to be awesome to see if they can continue this on the road because they really haven't had a chance to showcase their good start on the road yet. But they start on this six-game road trip Monday night, which is tonight, if you're listening on Monday, against the New York Islanders. And they just had a guy suspended, Shipashev, one of their young guys, was suspended three games. So just another storyline for the surprising Vegas Golden Knights team. But that's going to do it for us today on this episode of 5 on 3. For my co-hosts, Dom Muscarella and Nicholas Lehman, the guys behind the glass, the guys and girl behind the glass, Jackson Heil and Heather Ron. I'm Matt Murphy. Tune in next week for another episode of the Comeback Podcast of the Year, 5 on 3, and have a good week, everybody.